When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Group Text. Great guest today, the OG of the OC, no one other than Vicki Gunvalson. How are you? Hello, Melissa. It's good to meet you. Um, big fan of your mother, big fan of you. So I know what it's like to lose a mom um, publicly. It's brutal. Uh, still recovering from it. It's been six years and I don't think I'll ever get through it. But you know, I just have great respect for your family and you guys, and you've done a wonderful job on making people laugh through the years, right? Well, thank you. And you've done a wonderful job of keeping people entertained. Yeah, <laughs> my life is, a, is definitely entertaining. So what's crazy, and I remember watching season one. Do you really? Yes. Oh my gosh, I that's was, a lot. that was 18 years ago. Which is crazy. I was doing the math going, are you kidding me? So 18 years is a long time, almost two decades. So and big time. I, I remember watching it and thinking, this is brilliant. Really? And that was season one where everyone kind of didn't know what it was. We had no clue what we were doing. No. I mean, no do you, clue. Do you ever look at all the franchises and want to turn around to the producers and say, you're welcome? Well, I do say that quite often. And they say... <laughs> And oh, if I would have known now what I knew then, I would have tried to get some type of royalty on all the different franchises that came. I knew I was in trouble when Scott Dunlap came to me, the creator of the franchise. We were going to be called Behind the Gates, and then they moved it to the Real Housewives because Desperate Housewives was on. And we had a conversation. I said, you know, we're not desperate, but we're real. And then it kind of evolved from that. Um, and then they went, they added on of Orange County. I called him. I said, are we in trouble? He goes, you're not going to get anything for the rest of your life on any residual franchises. And I knew, I knew that it could potentially be something bigger than what I ever dreamed of. So don't you wish you had trademarked real housewives? Yep. I do. <laughs> I do. Oh, I wouldn't be selling insurance for a living. <laughs> no, you'd be on, or doing this, this uh, interview, you'd be on your yacht. Yes, 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 yes. Um, how has it changed since it debuted? You know, that's interesting because I was just down watch what happens live with Andy the other day. And, you know, he was, nobody knew Andy Cohen and now everybody knows Andy Cohen and him and I were sitting quietly. And he said, you know, um, I didn't interview my son, put in a letter and I did a little clip of what my life was like, but I said, who's going to want to know that I sell insurance during the day and cook dinner every night and fight with my husband and have issues with my kids going off to college. And he's like, nobody ever realized the impact it would have and the people that connected with us and said, okay, I went through a divorce or I went through, you know, building my business publicly. Um, we just never really, I never really thought it'd be a big deal. I'm like, well, who wants to see me? Who, how was it pitched to you? So Michael, my son at the time was 18, and he wrote a letter in to Scott Dunlap, who put a little ad in our community paper, Cutter to Casa, said, we're looking at making a reality show for kids going off to college and what it's like to live in a privileged, gated community. Um, and Michael wrote in a two-page letter, you know, my mom works full-time, second marriage, 
she's at every sporting event. She does everything with us. She cooks dinner every night. She works full time. She's the breadwinner. And they realized when they saw this letter that I'm not normal for this community that I live in. Most of the women do not work. They right. chase balls all day. It's tennis balls, racquetballs, golf balls, right? You know, now it's pickleballs. I, I don't, I don't have time for that. So I was the odd man out of, I'm from the Midwest. All I know is we work, right. you know, we work. We don't, we don't sit around and watch soap operas. I don't watch TV very often and it's not enjoyable to me. I will do something else other than sit in front of a tube. That's a waste of three or four hours a day. So when I had this conversation with him, he goes, you know, you're not normal. I said, well, I, I am normal. They're all not normal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there, you know, it evolved. We didn't know. Michael didn't know. I didn't know. Brian didn't know. And Don said, there's no way we're doing a reality show. When you do, they all get divorced. I'm like, there's only one reality show on right now. So it was a very interesting journey um, through all that. What was it like the first time you were recognized in public? It's a good question. Um, bizarre, because for some reason I did this woohoo thing like first season. And I don't even know why I did it. I've never done it before in my life. And I was like, woohoo with the kids. And they're like, okay, mom, stop with the arms above your head. And that's a weird noise. And um, I would be walking through the airport and somebody would go like, the, hey, Mickey, woohoo. I'm like, oh God, it's, it's now trickling through Chicago O'Hare Airport right. when I go to visit my family. And um, very bizarre. People have always been nice to my face. They're not so nice on social media, but to my face, they say, you inspired me. You, you taught me this, that, and the other. So that makes me always feel good. Like I've paid it forward in right. some respect. Like I, I want to show women, we can have it all. We can work, we can raise a family. We can do it all. We can cook dinner every night. I, I don't have a maid and all those things. I was the odd man out. Most of the women were very privileged and, I live a wonderful life, but I wouldn't call myself privileged, you know? Right. Well, what's interesting is you showed that, yes, you can do it all, but that it's not easy. No, no. I mean, I right. worked and raised my son and the whole thing, and it's it's a balancing act, and you you end up coming last. Right, right. And I never looked at, like, my mom was a housewife. I mean, she had raised five kids. My father was very successful. He had three construction companies in Chicago, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's at 59. Mm. That's what got me in the insurance business. And then my mom had never worked. So I remember my dad saying to me when I graduated, you know, going into college, graduated high school, he said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I just want to be like, mom, I want to be a housewife. And when I got casted for this as like the second season, knowing what, you know, more than a housewife, or I'm going to be the real housewives. I wrote a book called more than a housewife, just because I am more than just a housewife, but I always would just want to be like my mom. I wanted to have a lot of children. I wanted to, you know, stay at home. I sewed, I did, um, so many different things to bring in extra money. I cut hair. Um, I sold insurance at night was there for my kids. So it's interesting as I just wanted to be a housewife, but I was able to transform myself into the real housewife. It's crazy. But you didn't just transform yourself into the housewife, and, and you started talking about this. You are now the president and founder of Coto Insurance and Financial Services. Yes. Did you 32 ever? Years. Did you ever? Thirty-two years. What? Thirty-two years. No. Wait, did you ever think to yourself, "Holy shit, I'm a CEO, or I'm gonna be a CEO, and not just a CEO, but someone who now gives advice to other people." Yes. 
I had it in me because I'm my father's daughter. My father was, my father always taught me, you be an employer, not an employee, and then you control your destiny. And knowing that was in my ear, all five kids are employers. We don't work for other people. Um, so that taught us that work ethic that you can have whatever you want. You don't have to work under this umbrella of a ceiling, you know? Right. So you're doing the same thing, you know? I think that if we have that foundation of how we were raised, then we can position it to what we want our life to look like. My son, for instance, is 38 now. He's got graduated college, psychology degree. He realized he didn't want to be in an office all day and, you know, doing psychology on other people's problems. And he came to me one year out of college and said, I want to work for you. I'm like, no, this is, this is hard work. And this is sales. This is commission only. No. Um, and he never took a job anywhere else. He came here. He um, works remotely. He's, he's my life insurance advisor and he's incredible, incredible salesman. He loves the flexibility. He went to Ibiza for a month by himself. He was able to work from there. So he likes the flexibility. Um, and my daughter now is transitioning from nursing she's got her bachelor of science of um, nursing from azusa pacific and she's going into more holistic medicine because of all the struggles she's seen with the hospitals and all this stuff going on um medicare charges that shouldn't be you know just a, just a, the whole industry in itself has changed so i see brianna opening up her own practice i mean she's like mom you taught me work ethic you taught me to work for myself and because what you did and pop did and which is so good. which is amazing but i want to talk about your son for a second because mm -hmm. working with your parent and i speak from experience yep. can be complicated yes so the good news is michael works for himself so he's a division of Kodo insurance and financial services yeah but so you're still the ceo the buck yeah, stops he, with you and, and I said to him the other day, I said, you know, mama's 60. I want to travel the world and I want to maybe slow down and I want to pass the baton over to you. He's like, why would I want all your stress? Payroll, taxes, <laughs> you know, leases on buildings and all this stuff. I'm like, I thought I was building this for you to take it over. He's like, no desire. Wow. So I'm like, now what? He has no desire. He'll have desire um, once you bring in someone else to do it. Right. That's, wait, 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 wait. What about me? I have to answer to them. <laughs> yeah, because it's complicated. I mean, I lived it. And it was always interesting because my mother wanted to talk about personal things mm -hmm. at work and then work things in our personal time. Right. So I would, it was, it was, or we would have a, an argument and then we'd get in the car to go home and she would be like, Hmm. Can we stop at Bed Bath and Beyond? And in the meantime, I'm white knuckles on the steering wheel, still right. seething. I know. I get it. I get it. But you guys were really connected every day, worked together. So Michael's remotely. What did you actually do with your mom? Was it comedy all the time, or was it the podcast or radio? It was. Um, God, it was. It was. I. We hosted the red carpets together. Okay. We were hosted the original fashion police together. Oh, that's right. Then when we came back, I was the producer of it. That's where real conflict started. Yeah. Um, 
And oh my God, what else? We 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 did a reality show together. Okay. So but so it was very um You guys were connected every day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. remember it was all pre COVID, so no one could be remote. I know. I know. So one time we had a big, big argument and she sent me this long email from the airport. She was going back to New York and she's like, and I see other people and they're so close. And I look at, because Kelly Osborne was on the show, uh, Kelly and Sharon, and they're so close. And I picked up the phone and I called her back. I'm like, are you crazy? I said, our problem is that we are too close. You know everything you, about each other. Well, not just that. I'm like, you are too in my business. We are too close. That is why we have conflict. And she conflict took, she, okay. but she took a beat and went, "Yeah, okay, you're right," and was like on her merry way. But well, she's got a great personality. She, I just adore your mother. She's oh, very similar to my mother. She doesn't hold back on what she thinks of us, right? Oh no, <laughs> and even from the great beyond. Yes. I still hear a little lipstick wouldn't hurt you. Um, oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah. Do you still hear advice from your mom? Um, I hear more of my dad. My mother was very critical on me. She didn't want me to be famous. She didn't want me to be on a reality show. Um, she would say all the time, like, where did my Vicky go? And I'm like, I'm still right here, mom. I'm not going to ever change the core of who I am. But she didn't like the fame. Like we'd be at lunch or something in Crystal Lake, Illinois, which is where she lived. And somebody would come up and say, I just love you on the show. And she would say, you don't even know her. She's my daughter. I love her. And I'm like, oh, God, mom, she's a fan. Just let her go. Let her say her stuff. But my mom was really critical on me. She really told me what she thought of it. And she but I blessed my mom with a beautiful life. I mean, she could come to me for anything and my dad left her with basically nothing because they went through all their assets when he got sick. And then he had a $250,000 life insurance policy that she sold before he died. So she could help pay for the care. It's called a life settlement. Yes. And um, so she got like 180,000 and we got her condo and then she had a social security with like 1400 a month. That was it. So she was able to live within her means. And when I went through her checkbook, it was so funny. She had target, Marshalls and TJ Maxx as her most expensive um, items every month because everything was paid for. You know, she had a car paid for and I helped her. But I thought, oh, my gosh, mom, this is what you do. And, you, know, you return things and you buy things. You return things and you buy things. So um, she lived a good life and I made sure of it because I was able to through, you know, the revenue of the show, too. Which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. The one that she went to, yeah. And, and how blessed she was to have you mm -hmm. and I I was blessed to have her but my dad is in my ear every day what does he every, say just you got this if I have a bad week I mean 100% sales and I support a lot of people and you know my staff and the red hair and my kids I you know unfortunately we help out still even though they're adults fortunately I'm able to do that um my daughter just had her fourth baby I'm going there on Saturday for uh, two weeks and the airfare is getting more expensive and time away from work. So I'm, I'm still blessed that I'm able to help my kids and do that. I don't spoil them, but I'm there for them when they need me, you know, which is, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you bring up not spoiling them and Coto de Casa mm -hmm. is very, very affluent. And that's where you guys all lived or yep. still live. Yep. Um, 
how did you keep your kids grounded? Because they had to see that your yes. situation was not like a lot of their friends. Um, they had to do chores. They had to go to work um, as soon as they could. 15, 14, they had to work. Um, my, I co-signed on my daughter's car. I don't know if everybody remembers when I bought Brianna a Mercedes, but I handed her the car payment you know, book. She was in nursing school at the time. She's like, you got me a lease to Mercedes, but you handed me the book. I said, yeah, you're going to pay for it. And oh, by the way, you can. And so I showed her how. Um, I didn't give them a gas card. They wanted to go somewhere. They had to pay for their own gas. So I kept, most of their friends did not have those rules. And I put them in private school versus public school. And Lord, I paid a lot for that, but it paid off at the end. They wore uniforms to school. They were very involved in sports. I never let them have free time. I remember some of their friends were off of school at 11, you know, 11 a.m. in high school and they got into trouble. They're having sex or doing drugs or driving around. Like, no, you stay at school till five o'clock. Mom was working, you know, and then they could do their homework and their sports and things like that. So I think anybody that's raising kids, keep them busy, keep them active. Don't let them have free time. No, and structure. Mm-hmm. structure because I yep. had that with Cooper he had school and then he had his sports or his yep. tutor and then sports yep and that keeps them out of trouble because they're just yep. too dang tired yep 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 so that's a big deal keeping them grounded you've been doing housewives for a long time what Until keeps, now. <laughs> what, is it, what what's kept what kept you coming back well um you know Two years ago, they wanted to move me to a friend and I was not ready to be a friend. I was ready to still keep going on because my, my journey isn't over yet. My life isn't over yet. I think my story wasn't over yet. Um, so I wanted to keep doing because I became friends with the producers, super great friends with Evolution. But when they cut that role for me, it was like a death. It literally was like a death. I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to work now. Like, because I worked while I was filming. I was full-time both. Um, so this last year, um, I didn't have filming at all. And I didn't watch the show at all because it really still stung and hurt. Of course. This year, everybody knows now, Tamara got asked back. We both got let go the same year. Um, and this year, she got asked back and I didn't. And I was really, I cried. When she called me, she said, I want you to hear it from me first. You know, Andy asked me back and I'm like, okay. So I'm too old. I'm too expensive. My story is boring to the viewers. And I, I really got hurt. I mean, it was like, I thought we were a yin and yang. You know, I thought it was like, we really film well together. So it really hurt me. Um, it's been a week now since the news came out. I'm much better. And I'm a believer in the Lord. So I know that when one door closes, another one opens, and he's got a plan for my life. And if it's not TV, I'm fine with it. Um, but it did sting. It did sting. Like, what does she have that I didn't have? Or what by her and not me? Or why not both of us? I want the best for her and I'm totally happy for her, but it did hurt. And in roles reversed, it would hurt her too. So, um, but do you think know, what, also in a lot of ways you've almost outgrown it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm 60. They're bringing in new girls that are, you know, mid thirties with young kids. I, I don't have any desire to bring my grandkids on. I mean, my grand, I have four of them. Which is crazy. I know. Brianna is 37 and she has four children. So we have a 10 year old, almost a nine year old, a one and a half year old, and then the new baby Cora Rose. So she's um, five months now. 
So I said to Brianna, would, would you come back on and like show your life in the Midwest? And she's got a beautiful house and two acres and 18 chickens. And, you know, life is totally different for her there than here. That's where we're from. It's, we have that Midwestern value. Right. System. She's like, mom, I would never go back to California, but yes, I will film it with you and know the children are never going to be on camera. So I thought that was, it was very grounded of her, you know? Yeah. So. Which is, which is great perspective, mm-hmm. but it also feels a little bit like, and I get, trust me, I get the sting. Mm-hmm. Your life as a CEO mm-hmm almost isn't relatable. And I don't right. think you could tolerate dealing the with these younger ones. The bullshit, the bullshit. I don't yeah. do bullshit very well. Yeah. And, you it, would, know, it would be a season of you rolling your eyes. And falling asleep. Yeah. Because you know, I have to do that. Um, I have 16,000 clients for the last 32 years. I just had a client of mine pass away the other day. She went in, her high blood pressure was elevated. Her husband called me over the weekend. He's like, I think you're not gonna believe this, but Carol died. And those are the emotions I go through when I have a client for 20 years, 15 years. And nobody gets that part. I can sell the insurance and do all that and walk away and put them in a file. And the next thing I know, I get that call um, two, three months after I issue a policy, they're dead. So my castmates, my friends, my people outside of this business don't understand the amount of stress I have with the work and then also dealing with death claims and, you know, all these other things that happen. And I just don't think I fit in um, to that mechanism anymore. That model that they've built, Melissa, is so different from how I started it. Right. It's almost flipping tables and showing your tits and all. No, yeah, I don't want to do that. But also you've transitioned into being a financial expert and yes. giving advice. Yes. And, you know, being a legitimate, I, I'm using this with a capital A, adult. Yep. yep. So do you think maybe it would have been a detriment, in, you know, going back that you may have gotten yeah. a blessing? I know I got a blessing because I did lose some clients when I was filming because my clientele is 60 and over. So I deal with retirement planning. So dealing with estates and dealing with trusts and dealing with power of attorneys and then dealing with their financial plans, their insurance, their, you know, rollovers from their um, employer groups and things like that. So they, I say if them, they're watching this, I'm like, you're not the demographics that should be watching this show. Why are you watching it? And they're like, well, we knew you were an advisor and we wanted to vet you out. And I'm like, oh God, now I just lost you because <laughs> I do act different. Um maybe more eccentric. I don't walk around woohooing. I don't walk around screaming at people. I'm dating a new gentleman now because my other one's such a loser. Um, Oh, we're going to get into that. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I'm dating a new gentleman now about six months. And he said to me, he goes, you're nothing like what I've Googled because he never watched the show. I said, don't Google me. Don't look at it. Don't look at the, the, don't. And he's like, but you're nothing like that. And I said, because you're almost exaggerating your real personality in order to stay on. Because if you're, if I'm just talking about insurance and boring stuff, nobody's going to watch that. Nobody's going to watch that. So um, I am a glass half full person. I love it. I'm a big personality, just like you are in your mother. I'm a big personality, but I have to tone it down when I'm at work, you know, and I have to tone it down in real life. But then when I'm on camera, yeah, you pissed me off. You're going to hear about it, you know? 
you you brought up the new boyfriend who seems very normal. 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 But you just made it Instagram official. I know. How did you talk him into that? Because he, you know, by all accounts, he's he's an extremely private person. He's very private. So he's a big developer in Texas. He lives part-time in Texas. And, you know, he didn't watch the show, but I had met Michael seven years ago at Fleming's and he gave me his number, but I never call him. And I don't know. I think it was dating Brooks. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Um, But he's very normal. Um, He's very driven. He's developing huge, huge complexes and buildings and big shit. Um, He's very stressed. And he's just like, when I have you, can you please put your freaking phone down? I'm like, you want to watch TV. I don't want to watch TV. We're both laying on the couch together over the weekend. He's like, but you're not giving me any time. I'm like, okay, I will do that. But I did say, can I post a picture of us when we were in the Hamptons? Cause we went to Jill Zarin's luncheon and he's like, okay. And then all of a sudden his phone started blowing out. I didn't know you were dating Vicky. And he's like, Vicky, stop. Don't, don't post about me. I said, are you embarrassed? He goes, no, I'm not, but I don't want to be in that world of fighting in this. But it's a big deal to make an Instagram official. I know. It's not like we just started dating. It's been since January. Congratulations. So what (sighs) happened with Steve? So it's a very weird series of events. Um, I was all in, engaged, loved him, adored him, did whatever I could to make him happy. Uh, During COVID, I know exactly what happened. I bought a condo in Puerto Vallarta, a second one. I'm now building my third one. I, I love Puerto Vallarta. And actually I'm looking at maybe doing a reality show in there showing all the expats coming to Mexico and all the Mexicans coming to America. It, it'd be hysterical. Um, so I bought this condo. He didn't really like Puerto Vallarta. Um, during COVID, I had a podcast at the time. We did the podcast from Mexico. And then I'd have to go back because... I got my practice still here. And even though COVID was happening, my building was still office. I'm an essential business. Yes. Staff came in when they felt comfortable, they would do the masks. We sterilized every night. Um, I was very COVID, uh, pro-COVID on regards to like, if they don't feel comfortable coming in, they can work. So Steve said, well, you're going to go back to California. I'm going to stay here in Mexico. Why don't you come visit me? I'm like, okay, that's weird, but okay, it's my house. Um, and so I would go there like every third week, Melissa. I would go out on a Thursday night, come back on a Monday morning, go right to work. And every time I went, it was a little bit more distant, a little bit more distant. I said, what's going on? Like, are you cheating on me? He's like, you're so insecure. I don't cheat. Um, you're bringing your baggage from your ex boyfriend into this relationship I said no I'm not but you're so distant yeah ding ding um, ding I'm like come on what are you, what's going on and so then in January last January he sent me an email saying he doesn't think he wants to be engaged anymore he doesn't really think he's marriage material and he doesn't really want a permanent relationship I said well then you're cheating yeah I was just saying <laughs> why, why would you why would you say that to me and you're living in my house for free by the way and house. via email which is so yeah. not okay. Yeah. So I went, I got on a plane that moment, flew my ass out there and I sat him down. I said, what's going on? He said, I like my alone time. I've been married my whole life. This, this would, I would have been his fourth wife. I just don't want any responsibilities. I don't want to be responsible for your happiness. I said, you're not, I can make myself happy. No, I love you. Like we got to make this work. 
And so for the whole year, whole year, it was awkward. He wouldn't have sex with me. He slept with me every night when I was there. And when he came back to Kodo, slept with me. Um, then midway through the year, he sold his truck. He sold his Harley. He said, I'll just drive your car when I'm here. I'll drive you to work or I'll Uber you to work. Or it was very odd. I'm like, so are we together or not together? Like when you break up, you move out, but he wouldn't move out. And he, he wasn't giving me the clear sign that he was done. Cause for me, I was hanging on to anything. Hold my hand. And in hindsight, in hindsight, yeah, the signals were there. Yeah. But I don't want to believe it because he was still sleeping with me. He right. still literally was there. What do you want for dinner? Where do you want to go? Then he came home in July, said he wants to run for governor of California. I'm like, really? He said, would you support me? I said, not financially, but I will absolutely support you. I've got a million six followers. You got, you know, 10. Um, <laughs> he, he reached out to all my followers, wanted them to follow him. It was so bizarre. All the stuff I now know. Um, so we ran for governor, obviously lost. Um, and so we went up to Sacramento. We went on this road trip the whole time he had been cheating on me with this young babe that he met at a bar, which I knew he would hang out in bars every day. You're going to get stung by a bar fly. So yes, he did. And I didn't know it. He wasn't honest with me, uh, that he had somebody else. So we go up and then he, up there. He said, please wear your ring. Um, and he's like, if I get to be governor, would you move to Sacramento with me? I said, honey, I will do whatever. I, I'll move mountains for you. I love you. I'm all in. I don't know what you're going through, but hopefully we can come on the other side together. Holding my hand the whole way up, um, get up to Sacramento. I'm like, I got to get back to work. So he kept my car and I flew back. So September 14th was the election. He lost, obviously. September 17th, I had to go to Massachusetts to film the new Ultimate Girls Trip. He had it all planned while I was gone to move everything out of my house to her one bedroom apartment around the corner. And that's what he did. Took my car, packed up all his stuff and moved out. And I never talked to him since. I think he made the dumb decision by leaving me, but I also made the dumb decision by not kicking his ass out when he was giving me the signs because I'm a, I'm a relationship person. I don't want to be alone. Right. I told him from the very onset to start over with a new relationship, fix the one you're in. What's the problem? I couldn't figure out what the problem is. And guess what, Melissa? He, that day he moved out of my house in Kodo to her little one-bedroom apartment. They together went to my condo in Puerto Vallarta, moved his stuff out of there, and now he's renting a one a studio right next door to me. And they got married. They got married. He asked her three months later to marry him. Fourth wife. Uh, 36 he's 64 it's like what is going on here I mean you kind of have to sit back and laugh and go mm, loser uh, no it's like karma's gonna get both of them yeah she knew he was with me of course so of course um, I just gotta sit back he, with a cigarette even though I don't smoke and just say here we go yeah <laughs> you know let me sit back and just watch yeah. uh you brought up ultimate girls trip mm-hmm. people from all different franchises mm-hmm you're no dumb bunny. Did you study up on these women? Um, I didn't study up. I knew their character. I knew their, who they were. I mean, I was actually really scared of Brandy and I was scared of Dorinda because they're just different personalities. I was happy I got to room with Tamara. I had never met Eva. I met Phaedra once, love Phaedra. Um, but re- really, I, and I knew um, Taylor Armstrong, but I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I he broke up with me while I was there. It looks like on this 
on the set and on the viewing um, audience that I knew about it ahead of time. I didn't. I knew something was up. I didn't know he was moving out. I didn't know he had somebody else. So he texted me while I was there. I'm moving out to my mom's. I'm going to go to Puerto Vallarta this morning, get my things out of your place. I'm like, where are you going and why are you doing this? And I didn't understand it till a month later when I got home. It, it's, but again, to me, and I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it sounds a lot like the fact that he wasn't respectful of that you were working yeah. and filming and doing that. The coward. It, it, and narcissistic. Absolutely. I'm in a narcissistic group right now. So anybody out there that's with a narcissist and you don't know what it means, they have to have somebody else when they leave. They cannot just be alone. He couldn't go get his own apartment like a man and figure out what he wants to do. He doesn't own a car. He doesn't own anything. He doesn't own a piece of furniture. He doesn't own anything. So when he left, he had to go to somebody else. But and also they're incredibly manipulative and they make them feel better by tearing you down. Right. And so he found a woman that's a school teacher that doesn't own property like I do and such that he can now control her. He can say, let's go to Puerto Vallarta in Vicky's complex and I'm going to be able to control you. And narcissists are very dangerous people. They don't change from relationship to relationship. He will end up doing the same thing to her and it will be a pattern for the rest of his life. His mother even told me this is his pattern. So I'm like, wow, I had, I thought it was different, you know? Yeah. We all and think we're different. Yeah, we all I think we're different. She probably thinks the same thing. And he says, we're crazy. Talk to all the exes. He says the same thing. That we're all, I'm not crazy. I was hundred oh. percent committed to him. So. Oh, I was in a relationship where that was constant gaslighting to the point where you go bananas, where you're like, maybe it is me. Right. Yeah. Cause it's always flipping it around. It was just crazy. And especially with strong women, I find it. And I'm putting myself in this category of, I look back and everyone says, what did you learn? Mm -hmm. And I would say, I learned that I should have listened to my gut six right. months in. Right. And not your heart or your head, it's your gut. Yeah. I knew, I knew he probably wasn't my forever man, but the risk of leaving him for the unknown, because all my friends are married. All my friends are in committed relationships. I don't have single friends. So for me, me either, it's, it's, it's a, we could do a whole separate podcast on that. Yeah. Yep. Um, your life is so fascinating in its evolution. What has happened that surprised you the most? My vulnerability, I think, and really just trusting too much. I, I, you know, my father, again, my father's voice, he trusted so much. He had people embezzle from him, lie to him, big construction company, 300 employees. And he was always there to hand out, you know, a paycheck to somebody that didn't deserve it. And I'm that same way. And that's a fault. We should have a barrier up where we know something's wrong. Smells like a duck. It's a duck or whatever. Smells like a skunk. It's a skunk. Like I should have known a year ago when Steve was giving me all those signs that he was checked out. He was looking for another person and he denied it. Cause I'm like, what do I have that you don't want? And he's like, well, you you have a business. I'm like, why well, support you? <laughs> you know, you have a pension from being a cop, but the houses and the lifestyle you leave live is from me and because I work. But that also became, I probably, uh, he became insecure with that because he couldn't compete with it. I don't want 
somebody to compete with me. I want them to enjoy the hard work of my labor. So. Well, when um, he's ready for a friend, I know the person to introduce him to who seems to be his twin. Um, that's so funny. Um, I want to pivot for a second, talk about being a grandmother. My mother said being a grandmother was so much more fun than being a mom. Yeah, it's um, pretty incredible. I'm very close with my grandchildren. Even though I'm a plane right away, my little Owen today called and said, Nana, when are you getting here? And what time is your plane land? And I said, I'm getting there Friday. Nana, what are we going to do right when you get here? You know, and just so fun. I said, what do you want to do? He goes, I want to go to Top Golf. I want to go to pizza. I want to go to ice cream. I want to do this, this, this. I said, we will do everything. Just write a list. And we're going to check them off as soon as we do everything. So super exciting um, to to have that relationship, you know. Do you spoil them uh, more than you spoiled your absolutely. kids? Absolutely. Whatever they want, they get. Whatever the way, they want. Oh, my mom said that was the best. All the fun, none of the responsibility. Right, right. So I was like, mom, you can't do that. I said, I'm going to do that because I can. And and they, they understand the value of it. Um, but they'll also remember that just the joy I give them too. the That's time what my mom said it should all be good memories. Yes. Are you critical of your daughter? Cause my mom would always say things like she would take them out. They would be somewhere. They'd be on their way home. Let's say it's four o'clock. He would say, I'm hungry. Uh-huh. And instead of just giving him for a snack, they'd stop for pizza and ice cream. And then when we have dinner at seven, he wasn't hungry. My mother would say, well, you've got to be much more disciplined about making him eat his dinner. Brianna knows, I mean, together we, we talk a lot about it, but she knows I'm going to go against all the rules. Yeah. My <laughs> mother, I was always like, you are here to undermine any and all authority I have. Right. And she said, yes, that's my job. That's my job. And it's a joyful job. Like, like if I could just have my children, my grandchildren in my life and nobody else, I'd be hundred percent fulfilled. But, I, you know, she lives there right now and I live here. She'll never move back to California, but I may move back to the Midwest. I yeah. just, I don't want to be apart from them for, you know, as long as I am. I try to go back every month, but it's hard. It's hard. You know? What What's next? I mean, not like you don't have enough on your plate. Now, it's interesting because I was just in New York with one of my dearest friends who is a producer. And he's like, you're not done with TV. And I said, I kind of feel like I am. He's like, no, you're not done with TV. I said, I enjoy TV. I loved TV when TV was good to me. When TV started berating me and bringing me down a slippery slope of lying about me and things like that, I hated TV. But I did have two podcasts. I'm talking about different companies right now, bringing it back and being more of an inspiration to women and not do gossip. I don't want to talk about other housewife shows. Um, I want to teach and prod and encourage women when they're going through tough times because a lot of women are right now I mean divorce is on the rise we know stress is on the rise debts on the rise um I'm partnered with debt.com we're consolidating people's debts getting them on a payment plan um it's good you know it's good stuff to pay it forward but I I don't know really what I kind of just I'm sitting back and praying about it whatever will be will be and I just got to follow my heart this time and not money you know, we all need to get paid, but I don't want that to be my, my goal, you know? Well, you seem to accomplish everything you set your mind to. Vicki, it has been a pleasure getting to know you. Pleasure heart. A Huda Media Production.